Hello, and welcome to another installment of Visionaries, a podcast that demonstrates you don't need a lot of eyesight in order to be a visionary. I am, as always, one of your two Estimable hosts. My name is John Steinberg, and I am joined by my wonderfully talented co-host, whose name is Aiden Barrett. Aiden, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. How about you, John? Doing fantastic. So as we like to do on this here program, we begin each and every show with our words to live by segment. Just a little bit of wisdom to tuck away in your back pocket when the week gets tough and the challenges seem insurmountable. Something to remember. So it went a little bit uh, off script or a little bit of uh, in a different direction, shall we say, for this week. I chose a quote from a film. And it's a quote that has stayed with me ever since I saw the film uh, when it came out two decades ago now, which is unbelievable. So here's the quote, and it's from the film Blow. Don't let life pass you by while you're making grand plans for it. The quote is said a couple of different times in the film by Ray Liotta, who is playing the father of Carl Jung who's portrayed by Johnny Depp, and it's one of those that has really stayed with me. Uh, so, Aiden, when you hear the quote, what feelings does it bring to the surface for you or uh, kind of your perspective? Yeah, John, I mean, you said it's a little bit maybe off script, but I think this fits into everyone's life movie. I mean, I think we really get caught up in things that somewhat we don't have control over and some things that, you know, are super either far down the road or in the past. I mean, obviously, people all have plans. They have goals. And I think that it can get a little bit overwhelming at times because, I mean, obviously, I mean, like you said, John, some, you're somebody who it's been with you for years now, years. Um, it's something that like where I think that we sometimes get so hooked on, you know, well, if this doesn't happen, then this is going to happen. And if that doesn't happen, then, you know, it's not going to work out. Um, sometimes you just like live in the moment. I mean, the only way to really appreciate life or appreciate the journey. I mean, you talk about all these people do great things. You have to be able to appreciate the journey. I mean, there are going to be mistakes along the way. And I think John, me and you can both um, kind of agree to that and have some type of relation towards that. But as you keep going, I mean, you're going to fall in line with mistakes. Things are going to happen. There's going to be a turn here, uh, something that you didn't expect, you know, there's going to be all these things. And I think what people need to realize is that, you know, and I think me and you, John, both realize that it's not over like if something you know maybe goes a little bit unexpected it's not something that you know is just going to completely uh you know destroy everything um it's just a little bit of a roadblock and i think that when we see that we're just kind of so focused you know on the goal and if a roadblock happens it's like oh well you know this is this is it and it's like kind of just i think this quote kind of just saying you know stop don't don't get lost in you know your destination enjoy where you are enjoy the journey to your destination i mean you don't you there's some things that are like out of your control as you're going to this destination and i think this is just something that or what at least what i took out of it was that you know we we all have goals we all have things we want to do and there it's not going to go perfectly planned i mean john you said it, this is quotes a little bit maybe off script I, I think all of life is off script um there's no script to life i mean if we had the script um there'd be no you know worrying or uh, you know setbacks or anything cuz you know you just kind of know what's going to come and that's just not how life works so you have to realize you know take a second sit back enjoy where you're going, enjoy what you're doing, you know, 
things are going to happen. It's going to get better. You're going to have the good days. You're going to have the bad days. Um, and I think that's a lot of people on here can relate to that. You know that there are good days or bad days. I mean, I think about it, you know, Derek G didn't wake up and was a great professional baseball player. I mean, he had to work. I'm sure he had setbacks or, you know, maybe, maybe cut by a team. I mean, I think the most famous one is Michael Jordan got cut from his high school basketball team. And uh, I mean, now he's, you know, greatest basketball player of all time. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, he was somebody who, I'm sure at some points kind of, you know, maybe was looking at that destination and it was like, oh, well, you know what? I just got cut. Um, I, I don't feel very good right now. Um, it's not how it is. And I think that, you know, people who I hear this quote, or at least when I heard this quote, it was kind of like, okay, you know what? There's going to be a journey. Enjoy the journey. Learn from the journey as you keep going. And then uh, you'll find yourself where you want to be eventually. If you know, you just keep doing uh, putting yourself in the best possible place to uh, be able to achieve that goal. And if not, you know what, you're going to get as close as it to it with um, being, uh, you know, consistent in trying to achieve what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Folks have these conceptions about what their life is supposed to be and where it's supposed to go and what they're supposed to have accomplished by the end of it. And they set out these plans for, I'm going to do this. And then in five years, I'm going to be here. 10 years, I'm going to be here. 15 years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, if you put too many eggs in that proverbial basket, you're sacrificing the here and now, the moment, as you termed it, Aiden. And that is underlining this quote, what has really stayed with me. Just remember to make the most, I mean, it sounds a little bit trite and cliched, I'll grant you, but ultimately make the most of each and every single day that you happen to be alive. And that's the best that we could do. Oh, and uh, I messed up a little earlier. It's not Carl Jung. It's obviously George Jung, Boston George. All right. So now with uh, some of those words to live by squarely. I I just want to make one more comment. I I really like what you said there is that the time limits, because I feel like that's that's something that I didn't say. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people who are listening can relate with is that it's like, Oh, if I'm not here by this time, it's over. It's like, no, I mean, uh, like, that's a really good point that you made. You know, everyone's like, by this, in five years, I need to be here, two years, I need to be there. Um, it, it's, it's not how it works. I mean, everyone goes at different paces and everyone goes through certain things a little bit faster than others or a little bit slower than others. And then they might wind up at the same goal and even quicker, just, you know, there was different points that took them a little bit longer. So I think that was a good point that you brought up there, John. Yeah, and again, from the movie Blow, delivered by... Dearly departed, wonderful, iconic actor, Ray Liotta. Check it out. And that does bring us to our next segment, Handprint Hall of Fame, where we highlight, put a spotlight over someone who has really excelled, really brought the conversation forward from a marginalized or disadvantaged community, somebody who uh, has been classically overlooked and managed to really make a societal impact in spite of perceived obstacles. So this week, I wanted to discuss none other than Mr. Cesar E. Chavez, founder of the United Farm Workers, one of the greatest unionizers the world has ever seen, somebody that brought an entire industry into the modern age, you know, I am based out of Los Angeles, and you were here for, for a while. Um, we're dealing with this 
writer's strike at the moment. So I couldn't help but think of the one, the only Mr. Cesar E. Chavez, somebody that brought folks out of the shadows and into the light, someone who advocated on behalf of the folks who were picking, making, doing all of the stuff that people never even think about when they amble into a supermarket and pick up a bushel of bananas or basket of oranges. The unseen workers actually on the front lines doing their part to bring wonderful fruits, vegetables, cotton, other related products, giving them a voice when they had been at the mercy of large conglomerates and corporations like Dole, for example, for far too long. So Cesar Chavez, and I, I, I should add, uh, there was a point uh, some months ago where I actually got to visit this little, it's not a city, um, uh, we'll call it a town, it's called Keene, and it's in Kern County. This is roughly 90 miles north of Los Angeles. Uh, this is where Cesar Chavez set up uh, a commune, uh, kind of in the latter stages of his life. He's actually buried there, and it's amazing how he turned what I'm sure at the time was just land and land and land with nothing on it into this really charming, interesting, fascinating community um, that was almost exclusively designed by him. So, uh, Cesar Chavez, congratulations. You are the latest inductee into the Handprints Hall of Fame. Aiden, your thoughts on the selection? Yeah, John, I think this was a really good pick. Um, I mean, obviously, somebody who cared about, you know, the regular average person and just, you know, trying to make, you know, their rights be better. I mean, obviously he had a part in the national farm workers association. Um, you know, he really helped out with, you know, people who were just, you know, trying to make a living. And um, I think that's something that we, we obviously we always strive for on this podcast. Somebody who's just out there to help people, not even for their own good, but just the good of the other people. And I mean, obviously Cesar Chavez had a big role in doing that and trying to help, you know, workers rights and, you know, people, and just be able to, you know, be able to care for their family, live their life and do their jobs as well and just kind of bring it all together. So and I think that's something that Cesar Chavez definitely did throughout his time here on Earth. So I think that was a great pick for you, John, or a great pick for us to, this week, John. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now we are going to veer in our next segment, Profiles in Courage, where we have on a guest and we engage in a conversation uh, today, Aiden, who are we going to be speaking with? Today, we're going to be speaking with Ryan Webb from Spinergy. He's got a lot of really cool stuff to say. They're doing a lot of really cool things with their wheels over there. So I'm really looking forward to it, John. Yeah, can't wait to talk to him. All right, Ryan, thanks for joining us here today. Um, just kind of right off the bat, how did you get uh, started with Spinergy? You know, I've been here a while, so you're stretching my uh, memory here to go back. Uh, I started in 2004. And this job opened up because uh, the guy uh, who preceded me was leaving to go to Thai Light and left this position open. At the time, I was not in the industry, but a year before I was. I used to work for Quickie Wheelchairs. And I spent three years there, got to know the industry, worked with uh, some of the titans, you know, in the business, <clears throat> got to know uh, wheelchair sports very well. 
because uh, my job there was the manager of the Team Quickie program. And so I worked with the, the likes of David Kiley and Randy Snow and Jim Martinson, Marilyn Hamilton. We were a team to run the Team Quickie program, and uh, which is a, a you know sponsorship program that helped promote the, the Quickie lifestyle and the brand and, and uh, sales for the products. So spent three years there. And then, like I said, this job opened up, grabbed it because I've known Spinergy uh, from when I was a cyclist and knew the brand, knew the product and uh, just felt like a fit. You know, it's exciting because they have a bike division. I'm a cyclist. They got a wheelchair division. I've been working in the wheelchair industry, got to know sports, uh, you know, Paralympic level sports, which were super exciting to me. Uh, jumped right into it. And, you know, it's a small team and a very uh, entrepreneurial minded company. So it just felt right. Awesome. Awesome. You talk about a very entrepreneurial minded company. I know you guys take a lot of pride in some of the designs that you guys have. What are some of the designs that you guys offer on these wheels? On the wheelchair wheels, you know, we have 15 models now. When I started, we had two and, uh, you know, our, you can imagine our, our parts list has grown quite a bit over the years. And part of that is driven by our consumer base. You know, when we came out with our fiber spoke wheels uh, around the turn of the century, um, wheelchair sports were really taking off. They were getting more aggressive. You know, aluminum chairs, you know, were out in the, in the market well before that, but uh, not by much, you know. And so aluminum chairs, camber, anti-tips, you know, all these innovations and advancements in the wheelchair technology were, were really uh, coming to a head then. And we came out with a fiber spoke wheel that then allowed an athlete to play the sport without worrying about their wheels buckling, right? Spokes weren't breaking all of a sudden with our, our designs. So that was a big innovation uh, that we brought to the market to really help advance, you know, the, the level of play and wheelchair basketball, tennis, and, and rugby, um, and adventure sports. So our original design, uh, the Spox Everyday Wheels and the Spox Sport Wheels used a three millimeter uh, thick spoke. And let's see, we had 30 spokes in the wheel back then. And it was it's still considered one of our greatest achievements. You know, it's it was such a great model. Uh, and I still see some of those out there. In fact, we just got a pair from a guy and again this is 24 years ago that we made this model that we're still in the box and we're like dude we want those we'll give you a new pair of wheels today's generation we got to have those old original wheels right because they're just so cool um but around 2007 you know sports were just getting so much um so much more uh, destructive to the equipment and people are we're hitting harder. And so we had to take another step up and we created a, a thicker spoke, a uh, four millimeter thick spoke. And uh, there give birth to the uh, extreme family of products, the light extreme for everyday use, the sport light extreme for sport use. Uh, and then, um, you know, kept driving with those. And those are actually now our, our, our biggest sellers. You know, the, the original wheels we still carry, we still make them. Uh, but, you know, the market is really, chosen the, the thicker spoke partially because the looks partially because of the extra durability uh, and now we have you know other models that kind of fill in some gaps uh, we have most of the oems in the world buying wheels from us and 
we really consider those OEM partnerships just that. You know, we work together, we collaborate, we dream up new ideas. You have a wheelchair company that's making a new lightweight chair. They want a, a wheel that really pushes the threshold on, on uh, being lightweight. And so we created another wheel model that was just bare bones, you know, a thinner rim, thinner hub, um, smaller profile hub, I should say, and, uh, you know, back to our thin spokes. And so to get us up to 15 models, you know, we have all these little little niche models to uh, to fit the needs of certain companies. Definitely, definitely. Ryan, you mentioned, you know, working with people with wheelchairs, drawing interest in the Paralympics. Over your time working with these people, what are some of the things that you've learned about these athletes? You know, that's a, that's a great question, Aiden. And I think what I've learned, because I was an athlete, I was a ski racer, and, you know, that's kind of how I got my first job at Quickie, because I just understood sports and athletes and sponsorships and all that. Um, they're just like any other athlete. They want to go out and compete. They want to win. They want to have fun. They want new cool equipment. A lot of them are gearheads, just like any other sport. So I, I just felt like, you know, this is, I'm an able-bodied guy, but how I've been, I think, successful in building my own reputation in this business is I treat everybody just like, you know, they're, they're just an athlete. They, we're all the same in terms of the desires, um, the feeling you get when you win, the anxiety around, am I going to qualify, you know, be selected for the Paralympic team? Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's really the attitude, I guess I've embodied. And I think probably anybody that's listening, that's in wheelchair sports, um, you know, it would agree with that, that you just go into it. Like, uh, let's get this done. Let's get the job done. Let's have fun. Let's compete. Uh, let's, uh, have good camaraderie and, and that team building experience. Uh, let's go out and do the best we can. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I, I love what you said there, you know, just treating them there exactly like any other athlete. They want to compete. They want to win. They want to go have fun. Make me and John definitely feel the uh, the same way as you do on that. Um, just going to kind of want to get just your uh, uh, opinion on this. You know, obviously you guys have uh, seen some of the riders uh, using your guys' equipment in the quadruple crown of gravel series. What does this mean for you and the brand? Uh, you're talking about uh, bicycles, gravel cycling? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, the. let me know if I'm veering in a, in a direction you weren't headed, but um, the bike division of Spinergy and the wheelchair division really work together. We both benefit from each other's brand strength and reputation in their respective markets. Certainly the wheelchair division has benefited from being associated with a product that's also out on mainstream, you know, bicycles, right? It's been a brand out there since 1989. People knew it. It's always been associated with, um, you know, high end and, and quality products, right? So in fact, we've had a lot of people come to us and say, hey, you know, I was, I was riding your wheels before I got hurt. You know, so this is just so cool that I get to have Spinergy on my wheelchair now, too. I had them on my mountain bike or my road bike. So, you know, in the gravel world specifically, you know, that's been a really great market for us because we jumped on it. You know, gravel is coming out and, you know, we had great road bike wheels at the time and mountain bike wheels, but we really needed kind of a win, you know, Uh, and some technology that we were working with around that time just played right into what the gravel cyclist was looking for you know a shock a, a 
spoke that takes some of the vibration out of the road, but is yet stiff enough to perform, you know, on the on the concrete. But fly off into a trail and it's just smooth. The rollability is there. It feels good, uh, but yet still a high performance and stiff and corners well. So, you know, we're looking. That's what been. What do you guys think? Maybe it's only four or five years now, right? That we've been rocking in the gravel world. So now we're looking at e-bike wheels. Um, well, we have some e-bike wheels, and now we're we're partnering up with some companies, some manufacturers of e-bikes, and uh, really diving into that now too. Awesome! Sounds like you guys are really starting to expand your company. I'm sure John has a, a few questions as well on you know what you guys are doing over there. Yeah, yeah, I do. So, uh, Ryan, uh, I remember seeing the the documentary Murderball back in the day. Did you ever see that? Oh yeah, sure did. Yeah. So that was kind of my first um, exposure to the world to which you've dedicated um, your professional life. Um, you touched upon uh, wheelchair tennis. You touched upon some other sports. And I know that there are listeners out there that are going to be like the 17-year-old version of myself, who this is all sort of new to them. So uh, for those that are kind of un uninitiated, um, we have wheelchair tennis. Um, what are what are some of the other uh, really popular sports um, where your product is uh, utilized? You know, any sport that utilizes a wheelchair, uh, they're using our wheels. I would feel safe in saying. Uh, you think of an able-bodied sport, and there's probably a wheelchair version of it, right? So, lacrosse football, soccer. Um, uh, I think baseball is out there. I, I think it's beyond just softball. Uh, you know, other wheelchair sports, you know, it, it, it's, let's think, let's think out of the box here. So I'm sure there are things going on that we haven't even heard about yet, but I'm listing ones that, you know, have developed leagues that are, you know, have a plethora of teams throughout the country or the world and are really gaining in popularity, but, uh, wheelchair dancing, fencing, boxing, yeah. you know, these are all, uh, sports that, uh, folks in wheelchairs are competing in now. And uh, yeah, most of them are using a sport wheel or a sport chair, right. Uh, table tennis, you know, there are some sports where you kind of get away from the extreme cambers and needing an anti-tip and, you know, a real performance chair, <clears throat> but um, something's probably been modified, right? You know, fencing, mm -hmm. they have different things. Dancing, they have different things modified to be specific to dancing, boxing, um, you know, the list goes on. But uh, we've been really fortunate that people know us by name. They probably have our wheels on their everyday chair. So if they get into sports, they're like, hey, these guys make sport wheels too. So I'm going to get those on my sport chair. So you know, we've really gained our brand strength by our consumer base just asking for us by name. Absolutely. And as we, you know, project out into the future, I mean, we're now living in a world where self-driving cars exist. Um, innovation is at the forefront of like every conversation, it seems. Um, so kind of, yeah, projecting out into the future, um, what's possible? Like, where could you see maybe some things that don't even exist now, um, mm -hmm. but might be around the corner? 
as far as uh, yeah, what um, what you guys have going on with uh, with Spinergy? Sure. Um, you know, we get outside wheels too. We make carbon fiber products. We make side guards and foot plates and camber tubes. You know, a lot of the parts that you see on chairs that are now uh, backrests. You know, things like that that are made out of carbon fiber, even chair frames. Uh, so we we as a company aren't just locked in on focusing on wheels exclusively. You know, so. Uh, but to answer your question around around the wheel product, uh, I see a lot of attempts out there that are really cool. You know, you do see wheels with shocks in them. You do see wheels that use, you know, curved carbon fiber bladed spokes, uh, wheels that fold, you know, because there's that need of putting your wheels in the overhead on an airplane. And so, you know, a lot of these products don't end up making it just because it's not a big market and mm -hmm. they're really expensive because there's a lot of investment into molds, into the technology, into uh, the production processes. And, you know, a lot of these, these new inventions that I talk about here aren't around anymore because they realize, you know, we're not selling enough of these to really make a viable business. But I love the ingenuity and you know we've just really landed with our design with the fiber spokes and kind of your standard looking wheel if you will with the hoop and the hub and the spokes um because it works you know but if there someday is a wheelchair out there that that requires the wheel to do something completely new and different I, i'm pretty sure we would be right in there with the model that accommodates it you know whatever that might be a, a hub that's suspended magnetically you know by the rim right your, your mind mm -hmm. can go go in all sorts of directions um because who knew the internet was going to be here you know 50 years ago so right mm -hmm. uh um, stuff that we're working on you know is really at the moment focused around different needs that that currently exist like um for example you have a lot of these uh electric units now that people are able to mount onto the front of a wheelchair um handlebars little uh, lithium battery and lightweight and detachable from your chair and lift your front wheels off the ground so you can just roll over anything at high speeds all of a sudden now you have a wheelchair that may or may not have been designed to go 25 miles an hour wheels that may not be ideal for that kind of speed you know you think going 25 in a wheelchair and you smack a, a pothole or a crack in the curve you know it's a it's a different uh, force and a different scenario that you have to um, that we have to look at now and, and design wheels around. Uh, really, honestly, some of the solutions for that kind of thing are more more volume in the tires, so a larger tire with um, you know a two a two inch wide instead of say a one inch wide, just to take some of the impact. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe more spokes, a wider hub, that kind of thing. And those are all pretty easy things for us to do uh, to stay up with technology that's coming out. But it's a great yeah. question and. Uh, you know, like I said, we do a lot of carbon fiber work, so we're always uh, developing new things around carbon fiber. Like we have a, a front wheel now that we make, uh, the front caster wheel out of carbon fiber for uh, RGK Sunrise, a joint project that we have with them. And, you know, we're always doing things around color too, and new processes to apply color to a, to a wheel. Um, there's powder coating, which we've shied away from because it tends to chip, uh, but anodizing and seracoding and, you know, there are there's kind of an endless uh, road of innovation there to apply color and 
and a little more pizzazz to to the spokes or to the rim or the hubs. And so that, yeah. that always makes things look fresh, you know? Absolutely. And then, you know, on the human side, um, your products enable people to continue questing for their dreams, you know, um, really living out uh, the goals that they've set forward. And um, you guys are, if you look at it from a certain vantage point, um, your wish granters. And I was curious on kind of the human side, um, I don't, maybe there's an example, uh, some type of organization or team, a league where you were able to see a product that you help work on empower individuals to, you know, go out there and compete just like anybody else. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, that type of human reward that um, I think resonates with people irrespective of where they come from or where they reside or their set of circumstances, just on that real kind of humane level. You know, it's something that's kept me in my job because that is certainly a rewarding part of it. Uh, we go to a lot of sports events and trade shows. And when we get face to face with people, we get to hear the stories and really feel them. You know, we hear them over the phone. But man, when you're sitting there with a family at a trade show and their kid, I mean, I just met a kid that was two years old at the LA Abilities Expo in March. Um, spinal cord injury from an ATV accident. It's the youngest kid I've ever met with a spinal cord injury. And he and his dad just had the best attitude. You know, and part of that's being young, right? He's, they're pretty malleable at that age. But the dad, I could tell, was just going to take life by the horns with his kid. And they weren't going to let it stop him. And for a kid to come to our booth and get excited about the different colors that he can get in the wheels and the different styles and you know to be in a trade show like that and to see other people like him and that there are all these companies surrounding him and, and bringing new products to help people's lives um is is just such an incredible feeling and so for me i'm always you know i have kids and so whenever i meet kids who are who are just really embodying that kid out there spirit and aren't gonna let their their disability slow them down it's just so cool and to be able to offer a product that you know is lightweight high performance durable i can look those families in the eyes and say these wheels really are going to help your kid achieve uh confidence to travel confidence to be with friends because you know they got these cool new wheels with pink spokes you know you're all of a sudden pretty popular you know mm -hmm. and to be able to go out and, and just be exposed to to different things because not just wheels, you know, the chairs that are designed these days are are just outstanding. You know, there's so many creative ideas out there, and um, you know, we always uh, talk to talk about the amount of design work and engineering and innovation and thought that goes into wheelchairs uh, would kind of fall flat if you just put a standard wheel on it. You know, you need something that helps bring that technology to life and to really make it effective and, and, and roll right and roll straight and be lightweight and have the durability that the chair was and just for the whole package to perform as a wheelchair designers intended. And so, you know, a wheel like ours uh, really complements all the incredible designs out there. Um, 
but you know you know we we just feel so proud that we we watch the Paralympics and how many wheels how many spinergy wheels are are on the basketball court or on the tennis court um we pulled a as kind of a crude statistic uh from the Tokyo Paralympics looking at all the pictures and kind of knowing a lot of the athletes and you know doing our research and saw that 98% of the athletes were using our spinergy wheels and so you're just like man that's incredible i don't know another brand that can claim those kind of statistics and you kind of puff your chest out you know when you when you realize that hmm. yeah oh so yeah. It, it, you know it, we enjoy the stories that we hear from people and um always when we're face to face at events and you know that a good friend of mine dave kiley has uh, the dk3 tournament coming up uh three weeks now and you know he's able to pull together all the best basketball players around for just a fun three-on-three tournament and we've been a sponsor for 20 years since it started and here's a here's here's a, a an event that actually could lead to three-on-three tournaments in in uh, the paralympics you know it's happening in the able body olympics now so in the paralympics why not let's have three-on-three so it's cool to be a part of events, teams, families, just realizing their dreams. Definitely, definitely. Now I'm going to kick it back over to Aiden. Aiden, I know you uh, you had some some other things you wanted to ask uh, Ryan here. Yeah, uh, Ryan, you I mean, you touched a little bit on, you know, at the Paralympics, seeing your guys' wheels out there. Um, obviously, you've gotten some great feedback. You know, from starting to now, has the goal changed at all? Has it like, maybe gotten like a little bit bigger like is is there any like differences from when you were first came here to now yeah you know the industry has changed a little bit the funding environment the um the suppliers the many you know all the manufacturers there's more competition out there now and you know having been in at this you know in this game for 20 years now certainly a lot has changed um and some of our goals have changed you know, we've stayed very true to that we want to be involved with the community and we want to have a culture around our brand. Um, you know, we are a manufacturer, right? And so a lot of people kind of view us that way, like, hey, I can grab another set of Spinergy wheels on my next wheelchair and that's cool. Um, but a lot of people don't realize that we're also, we're a brand, you know, we're out there at trade shows, we have an influencer program, we put money into sponsorships and, you know, so we, over the years have sort of progressed away from just supplying wheels to wheelchair manufacturers and people being able to order them, you know, with their chair to now uh, having the ability to, to sell consumer direct. You know, we have a new website that uh, is really fun. People can go on and design their own wheels and see it all come together, change the spokes, put different tires on and hand rims and really see what they're going to get. And that's a whole different ball game, man. Cause now you're talking about analytics and how do we reach more consumers and how do we use, you know, our new websites capabilities. And, you know, we're just kind of floored by how much we can do because when you're just selling to manufacturers, it's pretty easy. You know, you have those partner, those partnerships and those relationships and you make sure you maintain those and, and work with them and develop future things. But when you're working consumer direct, um, you got to be on it, you know, and, and really doing your best uh, to use the tools that are out there now with the internet. And it's fun. It's exciting that we're kind of in that phase right now. And, and um, we're all pretty thrilled to do it. And 
now we inventory all the parts to be able to do it. You know, before we just needed the wheel and then we'd ship the wheel to the manufacturer and they'd put the hand rim tire and axle on and everything. Now we inventory some of our own hand rims that we make, um, all the popular tires out there, uh, axles, and we're going to continue to develop that to where we have, you know, more parts that uh, we can sell consumer direct and to our partners. You know, some partners come to us now and buy the complete wheel, manufacturers or distributors, dealers, um, but we'll keep expanding that part of our business. Yeah, it definitely sounds like you guys are doing a good job in expanding and going to keep expanding. Ryan, where can our viewers find you guys? Uh, you know, you can find us all over social media. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, our website, www.spinergy.com. And, um, you know, we have a great team. And if you ever have questions, you can call us. We're super, you know, it's it's been a nice thing about working consumer direct to people call us and they get the answers right that's kind of hard in this industry you work through a dealer you may not hear of all the models that we offer or all the axle compatibility issues or hub compatibility issues and stuff so if anybody out there has questions about wheels give us a call and and uh, we can walk you through um, the, all those questions so yeah reach out to us phone email uh, or through social media Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Ryan. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan, again for coming on. If you're still listening, really appreciate what you guys are doing over there at Spinergy and for coming on. John, a lot of really cool stuff Ryan had said today. Oh, absolutely. I think he definitely provided our dear listeners with a mighty impressive education in that entire world. Um, I mean, like I mentioned, you know, when I was kind of asking that first question, uh, there are a ton of people that this is completely unfamiliar to them, no background. Um, so he really, I mean, all of our guests do, but uh, Ryan Webb, thank you so much for coming on and uh, giving us all a real quick education in, um, in what's possible. We always love that here on Visionaries. Yeah, and 98%. I mean, that was a crazy number when he said that. I mean, that's just something that, um, I mean, he even said, like, I don't know many companies can really say that, uh, those type of analytics. And I mean, that was that was a pretty big number. So, I mean, congratulations to Spinergy. And uh, Ryan, thanks again for coming on today. Yeah, and uh, now we are going to kick it over to our next segment, which we like to call Representation and Respect in the Media, where we take a look at a piece of pop culture movie song television show we've talked about plays on this podcast and we ask ourselves the very appropriate for uh, the year of our lord 2023 question of um how do they do with representing a particular marginalized community aiden you got to pick what we uh, examined for this week uh, so what will we be looking at yeah, this week I picked the film Soul Surfer, the uh, 2011 version. And the reason why I really did like this film or wanted to bring this film onto our show today was that it's based on a real-life story. I mean, it's based on a girl named uh, Bethany Hamilton. She's a surfer in Hawaii. And, I mean, obviously that was her passion. And, I mean, even her family wasn't big into it. But she was somebody who really liked to surf she liked to surf with her friends. And I mean, somebody was competitively surfing and getting, you know, better and better as time went on. Like, obviously, everyone does the keep going. And she was getting starting to get really good for her age group. And then, obviously, a devastating uh, shark attack. She was attacked by a tiger shark 
um, took off her whole entire left arm when she was out with one of her friends. She was brought back to the beach. Um, obviously, her friends and people around were trying to help work on her. Um, I didn't realize, you know, watching the movie, but I found out later on with the statistic, she lost 60% of her blood, John. I mean, that's just... That's a crazy number to think about. I mean, especially for a 13-year-old girl um, to lose 60% of their blood. I mean, it's, just, it's remarkable to, um, you know, be able to even come out of that and come out of that okay. Obviously, from there on, as you go on through the movie, you can see that her, her life is definitely changed. Um, not, not even just surfing, but just life in general uh, definitely has a completely new outlook to it. That did not stop Bethany Hamilton from getting back in the war at some point. She was still very determined to get back in the water. I mean, obviously, a lot of people, I, I don't think many people would uh, get back in the water after, you know, being attacked by a shark. Um, and then, you know, just being able to think that you can get back to that level of surfing or that, that trajectory that she was on. She actually, she got back into another tournament and she was offered a five-minute head start, John, and she actually rejected it. She, she, she said, I, no, I don't want any, you know, handicap or anything. And I think that's a lot of things that we see, John, in the disability community, you know, and Ryan mentioned earlier in the episode that these same people, you know, they want to compete. They want to win. They want to have fun. They, they don't want any, you know, like, uh, you know, I guess like gimme or like head starts. They, they, they love competing just as much as we love to compete. So she didn't want to do it. Unfortunately for her, she, she, she lost and she, she lost, uh, you know, it was definitely not, you know, her best performance, but as she went on and kept trying to like learn to get better and better, she was actually, her dad created this little handle on her surfboard. So she was able to, you know, direct the surfboard in a better way and be able to use it to her advantage. Still not, you know, not cheating or anything, but still being able to use it to her advantage, she got back into another tournament, and in the final minute, she was able to win that. She won the National Scholastic Surfing Association Championship at the age of 15. Now, John, let me bring you back. At 13 years old, she lost her arm in a shark attack, lost 60% of blood uh, in a shark attack. Not even two years later, uh, she, she's winning first place. Um, it, with only one arm in a surfing competition. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If I was, you know, even saw a shark, I'd be scared to get back in the water. She was attacked and she went back in and she went back in with her passion. And I mean, passion, this feels like a really passion story as she kept going. And, you know, I, I saw the movie back. I think I saw it. Oh, I want to say, I want to say first time I saw it, it was pretty recent after it came out. And I don't know about you, John, but I thought they did a pretty good job. I mean, obviously they had somebody here. Um, I mean, they told the story really well. Um, it, it was pretty similar in terms of what happened in real life. And it's just a story about somebody who had a passion to stay in the water, to want to do something they always loved, no matter who around them was telling them uh, whatever, whatever their opinions may have been. Um, her, her opinion was that she had a passion. She wanted to keep surfing. And she kept surfing and she wound up being a really good surfer. So I, I, from the movie standpoint, I thought the movie did a pretty good job. It would be really cool if um, they, you know, do do another one and they do have, you know, somebody else disabled come on and do it would be really cool. But I, all in all, I mean, I, I was happy with the movie and uh, you know, it's just an all around good story. And I think they did a good job telling it, John, I want to get your opinion though. Yeah. I mean, okay. So there are two kind of separate conversations here. One would be it's, 
objectively a deeply inspiring tale. Um, I mean, the type of stuff that makes even um, the most productive members of society feel like they're not doing enough. Like you said, I mean, this poor girl loses her arm in a freak out, in a vicious shark accident. And two years later, she's back in the ocean um, competing at the uh, at the highest level. So her story, a number one uh, from a cinematic perspective. Um, it was good. Okay. It was, um, we'll go ahead and call it like, uh, from my vantage point, Oh, something like about a B, a B minus. Um, I did enjoy seeing Craig T. Nelson, who folks may remember as coach, uh, in the mix as the uh, benevolent doctor. Always fun to see Dennis Quaid in the mix. Um, yeah, one of those movies good, but not great mm-hmm. and i think if this movie got green lit in 2023 we would be casting somebody um that actually had the disability deal yeah uh-huh uh-huh yeah. disability or um had lost a limb um themselves i mean that being said uh the young actress anna sophia robb i mean she she does a you know a nice job with the material um okay a little bit like an elevated lifetime movie a little bit um some fun faces in there some recognizable faces a deep like i said a deeply inspiring story um yeah i mean if it got uh optioned again i think it would be done a little bit differently but just on the sheer inspirational quality of the story alone it does merit viewing. I hadn't seen this movie until you brought it to my attention, Aiden, and I'm really glad that you did. Yeah, John, let me, I just want to have a quick question for you. You say B, B minus. If just yeah. on this thing alone, say they cast somebody for Bethany Hamilton, who does have, who is, you know, doesn't have uh, one of her limbs. How much, just off of that, how much would you uh, make it go up to like score wise? Well, we'd automatically take out a minus, um, but no, it's not my, my critiques are more like from a Roger Ebert um, perspective with, uh, okay, go good, good, but not the tippy tippy top. Um, Yeah. I mean, there's some uh, maybe editing um, that could use a little bit of a dress. Like, so they're really more on kind of um, like a a professional film critic. uh, Okay observations that they would make the actual story in and of itself is uh unequivocally inspiring and the type of thing that everyone uh young and old should be aware of yeah um so merely for that reason alone i i I do think it's worth checking out yeah no definitely and and, then i understand exactly where you're coming from john i mean this is a story that you know obviously very inspiring and you're saying you know even though it might be you know a b minus movie go watch just because of the inspiring part and then i think you're kind of saying you know deserves to have you know the a plus plus production for such an inspiring film and you know i definitely agree i think that um you, you do do a redo you get somebody who maybe or not not maybe is missing a limb and uh, cast them for the role of Bethany Hamilton. Because like you said, John, I mean, that automatically for you 
would have not of the minus. And, you know, I think for a lot of other people, um, even the directors, I mean, they want to, they want to make a good movie. Um, I think a lot of other people would, it'd be a real big story if you had somebody in who was missing a limb and actually was playing the role of Bethany Hamilton. Cause it's a little bit more relatable uh, with the person, but yeah, no inspiring story. Um, and you know, definitely a film that uh, you guys should go check out just for honestly, the story. Absolutely. Soul surfer. Give it a, give it a watch. And now we move into our last, last segment. We're um, <clears throat> connecting the dots where inspired by the Braille alphabet, which runs with six dots, one, two, three, four, five, six, and is based off of how those dots interact with one another. Um, kind of an experience that I've had as a member of the disabled community where I was able to learn a valuable lesson, shall we say. And I wanted to talk about learning to use assistive technology, uh, specifically voiceover and then later JAWS. Uh, so when the reality of my eye condition began to set in and reading books with my eyes was no longer something that I could do, using a computer became really, really difficult. Uh, I mean, just operating a basic homepage um, just became progressively more and more challenging as my usable vision began to wane. So I knew that I was in trouble. I knew that I had to learn some other solution. I didn't just want to be set out to pasture um, because I couldn't adapt with the times and couldn't find some type of workable solution. Uh, so, you know, I went through grad school and I was able to kind of get by, uh, but then at a certain point, I wasn't. And I knew that I was either going to be just not really a part of the conversation, not able to use computers or my phone effectively, um, or I was going to have to really buckle down and learn how to do so. And even though by no means am I a tech guy, um, my brain is kind of wired in a completely different sort of way. I'm, you know, slow to learn some of those concepts. Uh, I found out. I didn't even know that voiceover existed. Um, and with the aid of the, I've talked about the program on this podcast a great deal over time. Um, but when I was a student at the Hatland Center in Northern California, an organization designed to train young people in, amongst other things, how to use assistive technology, I learned about this whole new world that I had no idea even existed. VoiceOver to operate the phone and then JAWS to be able to effectively operate a computer. I remember touring the facility prior to agreeing um, to become a student. And I met with a woman who was totally blind and she told me that she could operate the computer in every way, shape and form that a fully sighted person could. And I'll be candid, I was incredulous at the time because I thought about my own experiences with attempting to use a computer with tremendously diminished vision. Uh, like I said, it got to a point where I basically just punted. Um, just said, okay, well, I guess I'm at that point now where I can't use a computer anymore. Can't really use my phone either. 
And then with the magnificent staff members at the Hatland Center, I learned how to use voiceover. And I learned how to use this wonderful program called JAWS that enables anyone who can't actually see a computer screen to navigate it using voice activated uh, commands and keystrokes. And it is kind of like, or it was kind of like learning a foreign language. Um, a lot of it was by no means intuitive. I really did have to learn and memorize a barrage of different key commands and uh, voice commands and keystrokes. And I had to memorize a ton of stuff like you would if you were attempting to master an entirely new language. But like we were talking about with our wonderful guest today, um, the fact that there are solutions out there and all it takes is really buckling down, doing the work, learning the tricks to the trade, if you will, it opens up a whole new world. And in the same way that what the folks over at Spinergy are doing for people in a position like the two-year-old that Ryan Webb described for us, the folks at the Hatland Center and a ton of other like-minded organizations across the country are doing for folks within the visually impaired community. I referred to the folks at Spinergy as wish granters. And I would reserve that highest level of praise for the people that are empowering folks to do the things they want to do in life by teaching them this adaptive technology, the stuff that did not exist 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Who knows what will exist 20 years from now, but even where we're at is a real milestone in the chain of just human progress, if you want to be kind of broad about it. Um, but I am thankful that I didn't give up hope. And there are solutions out there. We just have to be willing and able to adapt in order to receive them. Yeah, definitely, John. I mean, you talked about, you know, adapting and, you know, the expansion that, you know, Spinergy is doing and, you know, some of the other technologies. I mean, there's so many new technologies coming out. And I mean, obviously where we are right now, where we were 20 years ago, where we'll be in 20 years from now. I mean, there's just always, everything is getting, you know, more advanced and, you know, it's being able to do more things. Like John, you said, it's kind of like learning a different language, but obviously, you know, you had that, that, you know, that willpower to, you know, be like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take this on because this was something that I enjoy, something that I like to do, something that um I still want to be familiar with. And obviously you, you kept going and you were able to do it. So I think that's something that's a good point that um you brought up. Like if you want to be able to do something, you'll find a way. And John, obviously, whenever you do it, it always seems like you do find a way to uh to do it. So, I mean, that's definitely, you know, a good point. And, uh, you know, obviously technology, it keeps getting better. So hopefully it keeps getting better, keeps getting easier for people to be able to keep doing, you know, the things that they love um, and, you know, less of, um, less, um, you know. Uh, this might answer your oh. question. P or T is the 20th letter in the Latin alphabet used in the modern.
Sorry, I don't know. That was the Alexa. Sorry, uh, I know. Alexa, but I'll, I'll edit that out. But um, yeah, no, definitely like the roadblocks. Um, kind of, you know, hopefully the technology does make it easier as we keep going. But obviously, John, if we keep having persistent people like you who want to, you know, keep doing what they love to do, I mean, it's just it's all good. It's all an awesome thing. So hopefully, technology keeps expanding and uh, it makes you know even just you know people want to be more persistent because I know that you know sometimes you know they get scared that you know it's they 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 won't be able to do it and um. You know, when sometimes it's a little bit easier when, you know, you do have at least something to hand or it's, there's something that makes it a little bit easier for you or something that gives you direction. Because I think, I think that's I think that a lot of things, um, you know, in the disability community uh, that they struggle with it is the direction. It's like, OK, well, if, if I go and then it doesn't work, like it's kind of like that unknown um, of what work will not work. And um, I think uh, it's something if you have that direction. Um, it definitely makes it um, a whole lot easier and a whole lot better. Absolutely. Uh, and that is going to wrap up another episode of Visionaries. I want to thank everyone for their continued support. Thanks for listening to the show. Aiden, where can the great folks out there follow us? Yeah, you can find us on wherever you get your podcast, Visionary Podcast. We are on Apple and Spotify, either one, whichever one works better for you. And they're also on Instagram, visionaries underscore podcast. The link is in the bio. Go ahead, check us out. We'll definitely get some more stuff up and uh, hopefully we'll uh, talk to you guys soon. Yeah, thanks so much for listening. Talk to you guys next.